Turn to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. We have been looking at three key qualities. Key qualities that are evidenced in a healthy, productive, Christ-like church. And we looked at faith. Faith is that quality that allows us to trust God and to have confidence that God does all things well. We've looked at hope. Hope allows us to recognize that there's something better. And no matter what we're facing in our lives, hope encourages our hearts. Today we're going to begin to look at love. Love. The promise that nothing will ever separate us from God's love because that is found in His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are going to see today that God loves us more than we can ever imagine. And we're also going to understand today that we need to return that love because the Scripture says we love Him because He first loved us. Now last week we began by looking at Romans 8.28. Romans 8.28 is a verse that encourages our hearts. John MacArthur said, Paul is not expressing his personal intuitions here or opinions, but is setting forth the inerrant truth of God's Word. Let's read the verse together. Can we do that this morning? We'll begin with the reference, Romans 8.28, and then we'll read the verse. All right, here we go. Romans 8.28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Now, isn't that a wonderful truth? That's not just Paul's opinion. That's not just what he thinks might happen. This is founded in the wonder of our God and in God's ability to take it all and form it together for our good and his glory. Amen? Now, last week we looked a little bit at the confidence that we have as saints. The recognition that God will do certain things. And I need you to underline that. And we know. Isn't it good to know something? Isn't it good to know that we can have eternal life through Jesus Christ? And isn't it good to know that God is in control and no temptation has taken us, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful? Isn't it good to know if we confess our sins, he forgives us our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness? We need to, as God's people, underline the things that we know in life because there are so many things that we don't know. And sometimes I don't know what I don't know. And even what I know, I just don't know. But there is a certainty, and we know. And the reason we know that is because of the work of the Spirit in our lives. And we looked at that last week. Romans chapter 8 is all about the Spirit's work in our life. Jesus said, I'll not leave you comfortless, but I'm going to send a Spirit, even the Spirit of truth. The world cannot receive Him, but you can because He dwells with you and shall be in you. Aren't you thankful for that today? Aren't you thankful that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit, whom we have of God? We're not our own because we've been bought with a price. Therefore, we are to glorify God in our bodies and our spirits, which belong to God. 
And the comfort that the Spirit brings to us as He comes alongside us and guides us and directs us and seals us and ministers to us. Never discount the work of the Spirit in your life. And the conclusion is this. It all works together for good. Amen? That's the bottom line. It all works together for good. Now, you may have a few flat tires in your life. I have. I had a couple of them this past week. Not literally, but figuratively. But I am so thankful that God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Amen? And how do I know that? I know that because... He works it all together for our good and His glory. And even when you're struggling, you can say God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. And when you're waiting for Him to work it all out, be patient, because God's got this. Sometimes that's the tough part, isn't it? Being patient. Now the rest of this verse helps us understand what we're supposed to do. Because we know that for those who love God, all things work together for those who are the called according to His purpose. So there are a couple of caveats in there. The first one is, For those who love God. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. For those who love God. The second caveat is this. For those who are the called according to his purpose. Now, if you love God, you are called according to his purpose. Link those together. These are not separate entities. If you love God, God has a purpose and plan for your life. This isn't just for preacher folks. It isn't just for those who vocationally serve the Lord. This is for every child of God. God has a purpose and a plan for your life, and we can know what that is. Aren't you thankful for that today? And you know, whatever God does is good. And it's all designed to bring glory to Him. And so, our commitment is to love God and to fulfill His purpose in our lives. Now, I want you to know this morning that God loves you more than anything. The verse says, for those who love God, but God loves you more. Do you you ever play the game with your kids? I love you to the moon and back. No, I love you to the sun and back. No, I love you to the Milky Way and back. And I like Milky Ways, by the way. And you finally stretch that out as far as you can go, and all you can say is, I love you more. I want to tell you this morning, God loves you more. 
And the reason I know that is because Scripture tells me that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. God demonstrated his love toward you and me in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I want you to think about that. Christ died for us. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. Stop right there, will you please? God loved so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you more. He loves you so much that he sent his son from a perfect heaven to a sin-cursed earth to die on a cross. And you may well have read about what that means and how the Romans made sure that their authority was seen over those who were charged with insurrection. And Christ was charged with insurrection. You know that? Remember what Pilate hung on the top of the cross? King of the Jews? We have no king but Caesar. Remember that? And he died. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life. God loves you more. If you have not personally understood how much God loves you, will you see me following this service, please? Because I'd like to share that with you. We have a grandson who struggles with self-esteem. Yesterday, Connie and I went to a wrestling tournament. We spent five hours in a sweaty gym, mostly watching kids we didn't know wrestle. But there were two kids we did know. Our grandson, the oldest one, struggles, as I said, with self-confidence. And he lost his first two matches, one of which was against his brother. <laughs> he was really down on himself. His dad went over and talked to him. His coach talked to him. His mom talked to him. This is what he does. He just gets down on himself. Then he finally came to the, to the stands, and I said, J.C., I want you to tell you something. No matter what, G-Daddy loves you. Yeah, okay. So what did I just say? No matter what, G-Daddy loves you. No matter what, God loves you. And God sent His Son to demonstrate that love. 
God loves you more. The good news is, he won his final match. Yay! The better news, his brother won his weight class. <laughs> now, full disclosure, there are only four kids in the weight class, but still. See that big print up there? Can we read it together? God loves us more. One more time, and I want all of you moving your lips this time. All right, here we go. God loves us more. We could stop right there. We're not going to, but we could. So how do we respond to that? There is nothing that characterizes true believers better than their love for God. Jesus was asked by an attorney, what's the greatest law? And do you remember what that attorney, uh, that attorney said? Love the Lord your God with all your what? Heart, your soul, and your mind, right? And then he said the second commandment's just like that one. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then... He tells the story of the Good Samaritan. Because the attorney says, well, who's my neighbor? It's in John 10. Nothing characterizes true believers better than their love for God. So, how do we love God? Those who love God. I want to give you 10 ways to love God this morning. I have in my library, don't tell Connie this book's there, 100 ways to love your wife. I've skimmed it. This morning I want to give you 10 ways to love God. Okay? Those who love God. The first way is this. Recognize that His Word and His will is important. His Word, what He says, and His will for our lives is important. And it's so important that we need to do everything we can to discover what His Word says. If you don't have a time in which you spend Focusing on God's Word, you need to get a time when you do that. There are two things that I do in my devotions. I do the quiet time diary. If you look at the notes, the bottom of those notes, it lists the passages that are in the quiet time diary for, for the week. I do the quiet time diary. The other thing that I do in my devotions is I read the daily crouton, I mean daily bread. And with the daily bread is a read through the Bible, I read those passages. I'm in Joshua now. Confession. Two Saturdays ago, I'd had one of those Saturdays. Always do it in the morning. One of those Saturdays. Connie's not home. 
She's over visiting grandkids for another time. It's 11.30 at night, Saturday night. And I remember I've not had my devotions. I'm rolling over, getting ready to go sleep. I mean, Sunday's coming, right? And I have responsibilities on, I need my sleep. You can tell. John Paternoster. Some time ago, had talked about streaking. Now let me define what streaking is for John. His streaking was consecutive days that he had had his devotions. And I had two and a half years of consecutive days that I had had my devotions. And it's 1130 at night and I got a choice. Now the good news is, all I got to do is go to my phone. Which is a whole lot smarter than I am. It is a smart phone, by the way. And everything I need is right there, and it was right by my bedstand. So I rolled back over, long story short, opened my phone, did my devos, and it's now midnight or whatever it is. You know why I did that? Not just because John talked about streaking. I did that because the Word of God and the will of God is important to me. And it's important enough to do it at 11.30 on a Saturday night. We love God? How important is His Word and His will in your life? Not only do we need to know His Word and will is important, we need to hate what God hates. Connie and I will celebrate 46 years of marriage this year. Yeah, all right, we're going to make it to 50. And beyond. I have discovered there are just some things Connie doesn't like. Now, I won't use the word hate. But I will say dislike intensely. And I try very, 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 very hard not to do those things. You know, there are some things God doesn't like too. And if we're going to love God, we're going to have to hate the things that God hates. And the only way to do that is to be obedient to His Word. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to your former lust and your ignorance, but as He who has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of life. For it's written, be holy because I'm holy. That's His Word. The Word of God is not simply a book full of suggestions. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And when we hide it in our, in our hearts, we'll not sin against God. That's That's obedience. When I was a kid, we sang the obedience song. Remember that one? Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe doing exactly 
what the Word commands, doing it happily. Action is the key, do it immediately, and joy you will receive. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. O-B-E-D, I learned my spelling. I-E-N-C-E, obedience is the very best way to show that you believe. Those who love God are obedient. And then we need to love the things that God loves. Hmm? We need to love what God loves. We need to hate what God hates, but we need to love. You know, God loves people. You know, sometimes it's hard to love people. Do you remember what I said about that attorney and his question for Jesus? And what's the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Second, like that, love your neighbor as yourself. And the scripture says, and the lawyer seeking to justify himself said, okay, who's my neighbor? Bet you can't answer that one, Jesus. And Jesus tells the story about the Good Samaritan. Remember that story? A man was going up from Jerusalem. And he fell among thieves. And got left by the side of the road half dead. And in that story... There were some religious people that were going back home after celebrating in the temple. And every one of them passed by this guy who'd been robbed and left at the side of the road. Now, some of them took a little more time to look and investigate, but they all went, they all went, they all left. Now, if you study that passage, there are some who justify their behavior. They didn't want to be unclean. They, they just, just come from worshiping and they didn't want to mess up that. But the fact is, we're talking about neighbors here. And then a Samaritan came down. Remember the Samaritans? They were half-breeds. They were those who were hated by the Jews. And a Samaritan... Someone who seemed not to have any standing in the community. And he took him and he put him on his own animal. And he took him in and he got, got him cared for. And he even left extra money saying, you know, if his care costs more, here it is. And if it's more than that, when I come back through, I'll pay you for that too. Then the question is asked by Jesus, which one of these guys was neighborly? Love the things that God loves. Sometimes we struggle with that, don't we? If we're going to love God, we need to realize there's going to be some opposition in life. <laughs> you know that's true? Culture in which we live? Seems to me like Christians are the ones who are a legal target in our society. 
shouldn't surprise us. Jesus said in the world you're going to have tribulation. You're going to be targets. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. And Jesus said, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Amen? And Jesus has given to us, God has given to us, an armor to put on. That we might be able to fight against the evil one in the world. It's okay. And if you've read the book, the last chapter says we win. Amen? There's going to be opposition in this world. That's okay. In fact, Peter says, if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happier you, and don't be afraid of their terror. And we'll talk about that in a minute. If we love God, it's going to validate the work of the Spirit in our lives. Now, what's the Spirit's responsibility? Guide and direct us into all truth. Bring things to our remembrance. Teach us the things of God, right? And if we love God, we love Him showing that the Spirit works in us to help us be the kind of people that God wants us to be. None of us have to do this on our own. As I'm watching my grandson wrestle yesterday, now, he's 115 pounds, and I'm 200. And... I'm sitting in the stands. You been there? Let me tell you something. We don't have to do it on our own. And God's Spirit is not sitting in the stands. He's indwelling us. He is not off the sidelines waiting to coach us when we've messed up. He's there. To help us. Those that love God have an eye on Christ's return. Hey, Jesus is coming back. That's not news to you, is it? Jesus may come back today. That's not news to you either. And one day there is going to be the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first and then we which are alive. And I'll tell you what, I hope to go by the upper taker, not the undertaker. Dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and remain will be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Hallelujah! I mean, that might make me become a Baptocostal. Amen, yeah. Those who love God have an eye on Christ's return. Never forget that Jesus is coming again. Amen. And then I'll know how he had it all worked out. And as we wait for the soon return of Christ... We can wait with our eyes expecting to see our Savior. I'm looking forward to that. How about you? And I love God because I got my eye set on the return of Jesus Christ. Three more very quickly this morning. 
those who love God give God first place. <laughs> Maybe that's obvious. I've always been intrigued the way 1 John ends his epistle. I mean, 1 John begins with God is light and in him is no darkness at all. We walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another and the blood of Christ. His son cleanses from all. That's good stuff, right? 1 John chapter 1, confess our sins, faithful just, forgive us. Isn't that good stuff? 1 John chapter 2, if we say we walk in him, we ought to do the things that he does. 1 John chapter 3, we love the brethren. 1 John chapter 4 talks about our relationship with God. 1 John chapter 5 says that we can know we have eternal life because we believe on the name. Oh, it's a great epistle. But it ends this way. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Boop. Done. I mean, he says all this great stuff. And then all of a sudden he says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Yep. An idol is anything that we put before God. Those who love God practice giving God first place in their lives. You cannot give God first place without loving Him with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And we either do or we don't. Part-time love is no love. Ask your significant other. Those who love God operate with forgiveness. <laughs> Aren't you thankful for this? How many of you have ever been hurt by somebody else? The rest of you don't have any friends, do you? <laughs> Scripture says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. That's in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. How many of you have ever been forgiven by God for something? Okay. Now, why did that have to happen? Because you weren't so hot. You messed up. I mess up all the time. Now, I don't say that with pride. And many times when I mess up, I do it publicly. I am so thankful that God forgives me. Aren't you? And if God forgive us, forgives me, shouldn't I be able to forgive one another? Somebody else? Because probably what I did was worse than that other person did anyway because I did it against a holy God. That other person just did it against a sinful person. Those who love God operate with forgiveness. It's not easy. But let me tell you, your life will be a whole lot better if you learn to forgive. Because you'll release so much that you carry around 
And I've come to the place in my life that I am not going to let somebody else pile on me and weigh me down. Just because they've hurt me. (laughs) I'm going to forgive. It's a whole lot easier. And I'm thankful that that's the way God operates. And those who love God are determined to please God. Determined to please God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. Because they've been called according to His purpose. Do you love God this morning? Sing it with me, will you please? More love to Thee, O Christ. More love to Thee. now the prayer I make on bended knee. This is my earnest plea. It's to Thee, more love to Thee. More love to Thee. Are you still in Romans chapter 8? We're not going to get to it this morning. But I want to show you what His purpose is. Still there? Look with me at verse 29. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be, here it is, underline it, conform to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. Here in a nutshell, and we'll look at it in a couple of weeks with detail, is Christ's purpose for your life. Christ-likeness. Challenged and changed and conformed to the character of Christ. Now, the Scripture gives to us, I'll give you an assignment. Follow this phrase throughout the New Testament, God's will, or will of God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable form of worship, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect. Here it is, will of God. That's one. Conform to the image of His Son. That's His purpose for our lives. And we'll look at that in a couple of weeks.